This is Toronto Today on TSN 1050, the voice of Toronto sports. After 12, what's up, Toronto? Let's get back at this. Gareth Wheeler, I'm back. Couple days off, feeling good. Hanging out the rest of this week. Andy Petrillo leaves lunch. Triumphant return for the 17 18 season. Coming your way, well, this time next week. Next Tuesday, looking forward to that. In the meantime, you're stuck with this guy at Wheeler TSN on Twitter. The text is 105050 and the email's live at tsn1050.ca. Asking you, with Connor Brown making it 18 plus forwards competing for 12 spots, which forward or forwards should the Maple Leafs make expendable? Who is? expendable from this team. Who do you want to see play? Who should be on the outside looking in? 416-870-1050. And let's light up these phone lines, Toronto. I want to hear from you. 416-870-1050. And toll free at 1-855-591-6876. We'll get into Shamapova. A little bit later on, some Polar Heroics. I got two tickets to give away to Canada, Jamaica, international friendly at BMO Field. Yeah, I'm talking soccer. That's coming up in about 20 minutes, so keep it locked for your chance to win. And Paul Stalteri, former Canadian international, will join the program in 30 minutes' time. So 416-870-1050. I want to restate this. I think the Maple Leafs desperately need help on the back end. I don't expect or think that right now they're going to be able to go out and get a Drew Doughty. But most certainly they can do better than what they have on the back end. And that means potentially sweetening the pot, maybe giving up a little bit more for a little bit less to fill and plug some of those holes on the back end. I love how people write to me and say, well, name names. Who? Just look across NHL rosters and you'll come to realize which teams have a surplus of defensemen. The NIM Ducks still have a surplus of defensemen, but they've done well getting all their guys under contract. The National Predators at some point are going to have difficult decisions to make about what's going on in their back end. Like just, just coming out and saying, like, well, a trade's impossible, it's not impossible. It's a matter of what you're willing to give up to fill holes on your back end. I didn't even want to take the conversation in that direction. But that's where we've taken it. I think it's more about, okay, what players do you want to see part of the mix? And which players do you believe can be kept on the outside, maybe dangle in a trade, or sent down to the Marlies? Players who shouldn't be in the Maple Leafs plans. 416-870-1050 and toll free at 1-855-591-6876. Oh yeah, by the way, when you call in, give me your fake radio name as well. What was I, Wheeler Kardashian? Trying to get the ratings up here. Chris in Toronto, what's going on today, Chris? Hey, Will, thanks for taking my call, man. Do you got something else you want to go by, Chris? Call me Melon. All right, Melon. (laughs) What's up, Melon? Melon's about to bring it here on Toronto today. Uh, so, Melon, who should be expendable? Where do you want to go with this? So 
So, hey, buddy, uh, I agree with you that JVR is expendable, but I couldn't disagree more that we need two NHL defensemen added to this roster. I'm looking down our top six. You've got Riley, Hainsey, Gardner, Zaitsev, and Carrick. Those are all NHL defensemen, 100%. And then you've got Dermott and those two sweetest kids, and there's another couple of young guys in the AHL. Like, you've got to make some room for them, right? So if you bring in two, who are you getting rid of out of that top six? Well, one, you need more than just six, and I think you need upgrades in that six. Right now, you have Ron Hainsey on paper playing in the top pairing with Morgan Riley. Hainsey should be nothing more than a five or a six. He's 36 years of age. Yes, he won a Stanley Cup with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yes, he was useful during that Stanley Cup run. But this guy over the course of the season was a depth defenseman. I have some real questions there. I don't think that Connor Carrick's a complete player. No one has seen, at least people that I talk to, have seen these young Swedish defensemen play. I think it's too much too soon to ask them to play significant roles on a team that's pushing for a playoff spot. I do not want to see Martin Marincin on the ice at all. And none of us know if Dermot's going to be ready or not. That leaves. I think you need at least two NHL-ready defensemen on this team. Okay, so I agree with you that Hainsey is absolutely a bottom-pairing defenseman, yep. but... It brings me back to when everyone was saying, oh, the Leafs' center depth is terrible. We need at least two centers. And, you know, we end up bringing in Austin Matthews, and now we have the deepest center pool in the league. I think 100% we need a top-pairing defenseman. If that's something we can go out and grab, go for it, right? But you had a top-pairing defenseman, and suddenly our top four is good. Hainsey's on the bottom pair. Carrick's an NHL defenseman. But I think that top six is a hell of a lot better than Pittsburgh's that won. Last year. Yeah, but you know, I, that's see, you went down the slippery slope here because that's what people around the NHL or fans are going to say is that well, the Penguins did it without Latang. Why can't we? Well, for one thing, no other team has Sidney Crosby and a Geno Malkin and a Phil Kelly and the depth of that team at up front with a very good young goaltender, two very good goaltenders on a veteran team that has won a Stanley Cup before that was the perfect storm where they could get by with those deficiencies. I, I firmly believe Chris, and I don't know if you agree but the Nashville Predators, if they don't lose a Ryan Johansson if they don't lose a player like that heading into a Stanley Cup final maybe we're talking about how strong Strong their back end is, and how that's the model where NHL teams should really strive to build around four solid guys on the back end, rather than a ragtag bunch with Sidney Crosby, the best player in hockey today. You know what? I totally agree. My money was on Nashville, actually. I think they would have won, but that being said, like there's more than one formula, right? Both those formulas are yep. good enough to win a Stanley Cup, clearly, and I think Toronto's team way more closely mirrors Pittsburgh. Our Top nine, like in my opinion, our top nine is the best top nine in the league. We have the best third line in the league this year. Who can you think of one that's better? Pittsburgh lost their depth. Uh, off the top of, I, I guarantee there are third lines that are comparable. The thing is in the NHL today, Chris, and, th- and this is the difficult thing, is that so many teams, because of a salary cap which is prohibitive, you're trusting young players. You're you're, you're forced to trust young players. So there's a lot of teams across the league right now that have absolute unknowns. I think it's more about the way that your team plays more so than anything else. Like, there are deep teams or some deeper teams across this league that are absolutely comparable. And, and 
Listen, this is going to be the second year for a lot of these young Maple Leafs players, and we'll learn a whole lot more when the team experiences injuries, which they will do more so this year. I can't see them staying as healthy as they remained last year. They need those depth of forward lines, but they don't need 18, 19 guys up front for where, from where I'm sitting. Thanks for the phone call, Chris. Great stuff. 416-870-1050 and toll free at 1-855-591-6876. Let's go to Etobicoke. Robbie, do you want to be called by something else, Rob? No, let's stick with Rob. Okay, we'll, we'll go with Rob. It's a good name, solid name. Uh, thanks, Gary. Listen, I, the reason I'm calling, um, I, I would agree with a lot of what's being said. However, um, I, I keep listening to... Gordon Miller and and a lot of the, the a lot of the, the, the experts and, and they're talking about how they Edmonton would gladly redo that deal for Taylor Hall and, and Adam Larson and while I don't want to discount Adam Larson completely I don't see how you can move a top five left winger for what arguably would be a, a fourth defenseman and the reason I say that is simply uh, people discount the fact that Edmonton took that step because uh, you know having Connor McDavid for a full season, having Leon Dreisaitl take a step, having Clefbaum, who's very underrated, and then having Talbot stabilize the, defense, the, the goaltending position just means you're going to be a better team overall. So when I hear that, you know, he would gladly redo that deal, I disagree, and I say he overpaid because they, they felt they needed to. And but, I but hold on, hold on. Let, me, let, me I, cut, let me cut you off, sure. Rob. This, the Edmonton Oilers right now, because they made that deal and they have a more complete team, now they're one of the favorites to contend for the Stanley Cup. Yes, all the other things had to happen as well. You listed about three things. In a vacuum, that move, one move, maybe wasn't the one that puts them over the top, but that move in conjunction with other moves is what's made the Edmonton Oilers so much more complete. I agree. I mean, clearly you need guys to fill out the roster. You can't have a one and a two and a bunch of eights. That's not going to happen. But I just find that it's convenient to me. And I think that if Lam- judging by his track history, I don't see Lou Lamorello looking at that trade and saying, well, this is the new asking and having to give price. And if that's the case, he's not going to. Because here, let me ask you, if, if you – Taking age necessarily out of it, taking contract out of it for a minute. Who Which is, is tough to do because those things matter so much in this league. But carry true. on. I'll play your game. Okay, but if you're looking at what Taylor Hall was to the Edmonton Oilers, who is that for the Leafs? It would have to be a Nylander. It would have to be a Marner. Correct? <sighs> See, Taylor Hall was in the league a little bit longer, and he came with a contract. So, okay, so I, I see your point. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not to... sure that there is a like for like, but a young upper echelon attacking forward who, by the way, won nothing with that Oilers team. True and was, was with losing team after losing team after losing team. Look, I, I think that we need to get rid of that fallacy that, or that whole idea that you can trade something that's of minimal value to you and a team's going to bite and give you the world in return. That's not the way that things work. And if I'm the Maple Leafs, I would be willing to give up something more, something that I deem more valuable in a one-on-one deal to get better as a team. Because let's stop looking at individual players and what they bring in terms of individual talent to the table and look at how to build an overall solid hockey club. And right now, with this blue line, the Maple Leafs aren't contenders. 
They're, they're simply not. They need to solidify that position. And where do they have strength now, Rob? In the forward ranks in terms of strength in numbers, young, manageable contracts, which would be desirable for other teams, as well as some veteran, more proven guys who the Maple Leafs aren't going to be able to sign to long-term contracts because of the salary cap that they're going to risk losing for nothing if they don't end up shipping them out now and taking advantage of the depth that they have at present time. That's why I think there has to be a move that's going to happen in training camp or right at the beginning of the year. Yeah, and and those are all valid, and I I, I would hope they do address their needs because they do have that plethora of talent up front that clearly they have no spot for, to say nothing of Freddie Gauthier, who I think they were expecting, and now he's kind of been shelved for half the season. But um, I, I just hope Lou... Doesn't doesn't follow uh, that that kind of what the asking so-called asking price would be for what I honestly what I think is is not a top three defenseman on any team in the league. Quite frankly, I, I don't see how he's the anchor that changed the, the Edmonton's fortunes. Um, and if I think if that's the case, the Leafs have a few of those probably on the roster right now. Which granted, you know, Zaitsev is not proven, but you know, obviously they saw enough in him to tie him up. And I think. If, if they do those type of deals, maybe Zaitsev takes that step and, and he's the Larson on this team. And in which case, you know, they need to, it, I agree with you if they address it, but I, I think they need to, they need to add to the deal and get somebody who's bonafide. And I know those don't, aren't on, on uh, an easy thing to have get to get done on any team, but that's that's the deal I hope they make. Right. Thanks for the phone call, Rob. Good stuff. Appreciate it. 416-870-1050. Toll free at 1-855-591-6876. There's a lot of ifs there. That's the problem. If, if, if. Zaitsev's 25. What kind of jump are you expecting from Zaitsev? Nice player. He's fine. Doesn't Jake Gardner need to prove it to you for more than just one year? Heading into last year, there were severe questions. Most Leafs fans wanted to see him gone. Jake Gardner had a solid year last year. But he needs to back that up with another, doesn't he? He's 27 years old. He's no young player anymore. He's right in his prime. Morgan Riley, I think Craig Button was comparing him to Dougie Hamilton of the Flames yesterday on Twitter. We in this market, and our caller a few moments ago, highlights how we here in Toronto overrate our players above and beyond other players across the NHL. I think all markets are kind of guilty of this, but we're especially guilty of it in Toronto. Thinking that Toronto players are worth X and other players are worth Y. Like he, like the, the, the caller a few moments ago, that the Maple Leafs are the best third line in hockey. I highly doubt that. Last time I checked, the depth of the Pittsburgh Penguins was pretty good. All those teams that went deep in the playoffs. Look, I, I like the Maple Leafs' depth across their forward lines, but there's a lot of replaceable parts. But to say they're the best third line in hockey, I think that's a little far-fetched. I need to see what the line combinations are going to be coming out of training camp, see what other teams bring to the table. I think the Tampa Bay Lightning have a pretty damn good team, pretty deep. Penguins, Sharks. And I'm I'm just going off the top of my head of what these teams have. Let's be realistic here. The Maple Leafs are still weak on the back end. They gave up one of the most shots per games in the NHL last year. 
I don't want Freddie Anderson being overworked again. I like Freddie Anderson. I like this team. I like how they work hard. I like their system. But the roster, there's still some shuffling of the deck that needs to be done. And it starts with the forward line for me. 416-870-1050. Toll free at 1-855-591-6876. Let's go to Henry in Concord. What's going on today, Henry? Hey, good good afternoon. Listen, I totally don't agree. I, I think at the end of the day, the depth is key. Pittsburgh won the Stanley Cup. No Latang on the roster. Callie Rosen's going to make this roster on the D. Dermott is going to fight for that spot. Have also. you seen Callie Rosen not, play? Let, let, let me just finish. They're not going after the cup this year. It's not going to happen. But they are, they're still one more year away from it. They've got the best development coach in the game. You develop great defensemen. You don't buy great defensemen. You keep bringing up Adam Larson. You think Adam Larson's the reason that the Edmonton Oilers went as far as they went this year? You have three, two or three Adam Larsons or close on your roster. It's not Adam Larson. The key is, like Pittsburgh, depth. Third line, fourth line. Now, granted, they have the two best players or arguably best players yep. in the game. But after that, it's having depth, being able to deal with injuries, and just having six really good, solid D. If you're the type of team that's fortunate enough to have those number one or true number two Ds, you're either drafting them or you're getting them through through for agency because they rarely, if ever, ever come up in a trade. How many? Now, I don't think the Leafs are going to make a move at all. I think they're going to hold with what they have. They're going to build it from within, and they want them to compete the heck out of one another. Then they get to the coach, and the coach. He, he, and one last thing, you're right exactly about what you said about shots against. Defense is a team five-man unit, not two-man unit game. I get it. And you'd argue Bozak's one of the worst forwards in the NHL. I, listen, you're comfortable with the back end of Gardner, Riley, Zaitsev, Kara, Kainzey, Marincin. I highly doubt Henry's seen Rosen play. This is all speculative. And listen, if the team was just content about allowing players to grow from within, then why bring in Patrick Marlowe? Why, if, if you're going to sit there and wait for these young players to nurture and grow into their roles, then why bring in a 38-year-old forward in the twilight of his career? Why bring in a 36-year-old fourth-line center? Why bring in a 36-year-old blue liner? There's give and take here. It's not that simple. And I never said that Adam Larson was the only reason why the Oilers win. It's part of a bunch of moves that made sense. You need to give up something to get something to make your team more well-rounded. And that's where the Maple Leafs are. And the Maple Leafs don't want to spoil, let these years get away from them when... Matthews is making peanuts, when Nylander's making peanuts, when Marner's making peanuts. This is the NHL today. You need to strike while the iron's hot. And I'd be shocked. Yes, you need depth. You don't need 18, 19 forwards who are all arguably NHL quality. 15, okay. There's going to be guys who are expendable. They tried it to trade JVR, and that's why I believe that all roads indicate that JVR will be the one that's expendable. The place where we started this conversation... I don't work in a world of absolutes. There's a little give and take, but there are certainly players who are expendable. Justin in London, a.k.a. Juice, thanks for playing along, Justin, thinks JVR, Carrick, 
Brown, Kapanen are all expendable for this team. Someone else, I would trade JVR and Levo, possibly Komarov. Those are the guys who are available. Then you can bring in a defenseman in the short term to Lilligren and Dermott already. Soshnikov is Komarov's future replacement anyways in the team. That's where we wanted to go. Text coming in. You bring in older guys to help the young guys grow. Well, if it's about patience seeing it through... I agree, veteran players can help this team, but to what end? What is the goal? And the goal should be winning. This team is getting and moving towards a position of contention. And you'd feel a lot more comfortable in the group if their back end was better. Too many forwards, not enough defensemen. For the now. For the future, that's a different conversation. Borgman, Rosen, Dermott, Lilligren, they may all work out over the long term. Mix well with the young defensemen that they have. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about for the 17-18 season. Who's expendable? What do you need to do to solidify this group? And for me, the puzzle has yet to be completed. At Wheeler TSN on Twitter, the text is 10:50:50. The email live at tsn1050.ca. Paul Stalteri will join us in the next segment. Former Canadian men's national team soccer player being inducted into the Canadian Soccer Hall of Fame this weekend as Canada takes on Jamaica. I have two tickets to that game. Canada, Jamaica, this long weekend at BMO Field. If you can answer this skill-testing question, four Toronto FC players are going to feature in the Canadian team this weekend. All you got to do is name one of them. 416-870-1050. 416-870-1050. 416-870-1050-1855-591-6876. First caller that gets through and can name one of the four Toronto FC players who are in the Canadian team for this weekend. You'll be going down to BMO Field to see Canada take on Jamaica. Good luck for all those trying to get through. WTF. Is coming up next, and then Paul Stalteri checks into the program. Wheels with you. This is TSN 1050 in Toronto. Long throw to Marky Delgado. Finds Altor inside the area. Just places the ball behind Evan Bush. Poor defending, and Altidore takes advantage. His 11th goal this season. Jose, Jose, Jose. And to the dismay of the Impact supporters, it's Toronto FC 2 and Montreal no score. The beauty of that, I was at Stad Saputo on the Toronto FC Montreal, Montreal Impact call on Sunday afternoon. The way that it works is basically the press box or the broadcast positions are right on top of the fans. So Joey Saputo... The Montreal Impact owner is like literally sitting right in front of me with all Impact supporters. My window is wide open. And I start on the goal call and all the fans in Saputo look back like, who is this guy? And the more angry they got, I just decided to just turn that knife. So I brought it. Yeah, so I brought that out. 
And they're looking at me like they wanted to climb up and strangle me. So then when I was selling, like, that team can't be stopped. And I go, Toronto FC 2. And I put up two fingers. And they're like, the Montreal Impact, no score. And I had a zero up in my other hand, just smiling away. I was taunting the people below me. That's what the rivalry is all about, right? I'm a hometown broadcast. It's a different situation than a national broadcast. I could sell that. Nothing wrong with getting under the skin of Joey Saputo and Impact supporters. I never had my press pass revoked. I think I'll be welcome back at some point to Stad Saputo. So a special time, special game on Sunday. Toronto FC beating the Impact 3-1. Gareth Wheeler with you at WheelerTSN on Twitter. And it is a big weekend down at BMO Field as well. The Canadian men's national team, for my money, doesn't play enough games at home. But the program is clearly on the rise within the youth ranks as well as the men's national team. And this is what it's all about, going out and supporting the Canadian men's national team. Congratulations to John. He knew that. Toss St. Ricketts, Jonathan Azorio, Jay Chapman, and Raheem Edwards are the Toronto FC players representing Canada this Saturday down at BMO Field as they take on Jamaica. The CNE's on. Just $20 includes access to the game and the CNE and a ton of stuff going on, including former Canadian men's national team player Paul Stalteri and 2017 Canada Soccer Hall of Fame inductee. He will be recognized prior to the match on the field. I wonder if he's already got his outfit planned. Let's ask, ask him right about now. Paul Stelteri joining us here on Toronto today. Is there pressure walking on the field, making sure you look good, you wave at the right people, Paul? Like, is there anxiety heading into Saturday and you being recognized on the field? No, no, no. I mean, we're, I'm in a bit of a uh, two-way situation where I'm helping prepare the team also. So it's, uh, you got a couple of thoughts on, on, on the go as well. So it won't be, uh, it won't be too bad, because uh, I'll be on the pitch, uh, I'll be on the pitch ready for warm up and things like that. So I'll be ready to go. No Beautiful. Problems. Cause you're doing work with the men's national team as well, but it's the under 17s that you coach, correct? Yeah, right now I'm doing. Uh, I'm helping the senior team out uh, when they've had their games at the at the Gold Cup and also uh, some friendlies. And this one coming up on on Saturday, uh, and also uh, continuing to work with with the youth teams. I just got back from the under 15 tournament where I took the took the boys down to to uh, Bradenton and uh, they did quite well there, losing in the semifinals uh, to Mexico. So it's a it's a bit of a uh, doing a couple different projects uh, at the time with the youth and also. Uh, helping out the senior team as well at the moment. Beautiful. Uh, Paul, before we look ahead, I kind of want to look look back a little bit as well. You're 39 years of age. You played so well for the Canadian men's national team. You had an outstanding career in Germany with Werder Bremen. You played for Spurs. You played for Fulham in the Premier League as well. But you were really one of the Canadian soccer success stories in an era which was very difficult in terms of the grassroots and beyond for men's soccer in this country how different was it then and the obstacles that stood in your way in comparison to what the kids coming through the system have now in terms of available options to grow them as athletes well it's 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 night and day i mean you're looking at uh, not just uh, 20 years ago when i went over to to europe 
you're looking at uh, 30 years ago, 33, 34 years ago, in terms of the, what you mentioned, the grassroots part of it, where that's, that's a, just a completely different uh, aspect now as what it was back in the day. I mean, I know firsthand working with my, uh, with my son and my daughter's uh, programs and seeing uh, in the last four or five years exactly what's going on on that level and how much more emphasis is put on small-sided things with the ball, all the different uh, aspects of the game that's being played on in, in a different level than it ever used to be played when, when we were growing up. So that's a, that just is going to bold well for the future in the next five to ten years when that really starts to, to show its uh, uh, fruits after all the labor that's been put in uh, in the last four or five years, changing all the LTBD, changing all the rules and stuff like that, making it uh, much more fun for the kids and making it uh, the emphasis on the ball, the technical part of it. Uh, is, is a completely different dynamic than what it was when I grew up. And, and also, once they get to that stage where they've got that next level and they've got many more opportunities within Canada to play in and also uh, the ones that do want to go overseas, that avenue is, is, is still there. Uh, much, much, not, not, not a lot easier, a little bit easier than it was probably, probably 20 years ago when, you know, at that time there wasn't anybody playing in Germany, for example, uh, when I had went over there. So... Uh, things are much brighter, much easier. No, I wouldn't say easier, much brighter and much, much more accessible for all the youth players playing in the, day, in the game nowadays. Yeah, that's interesting that you started off speaking about mentality, right? Because largely a lot of people point to the fact that there's professional teams in this country, there's academies, there's, a, there's kind of a gateway for players to take now. But in terms of mentality, is that where the gap that you notice is really closing our approach to the game, the way that players are programmed now, has that gap closed between our country and, you know, the Germanys, the Englands, and some of the experiences that you've had worldwide? Well, one, one aspect is you're, you, you try to close the gap in the technical side of it and the skill side of it. You got, you, we're, we are, we're definitely closing that gap. If you take our young players and match them up, uh, you, you, there's no argument to say someone from another country is better at 10 years old than a, country, a player from our country uh, at 10 years old. It, you know, I don't believe in any of that stuff. Uh, there is a gap later on where things change, but you know, we are closing that gap technically. Now it's we have to really emphasize us on the mental side of it, where uh, you know, us us players, uh, us coaches, teaching these players at, at a young age to go into these different environments and be uh, mentally strong enough. I think that you know, the biggest difference in any sport. Uh, no matter what sport you're talking about, the biggest difference between uh, the player at the real top and the player just underneath is is is, uh, is, is mental in my mind. I mean, mental the mental part of it is a, is a massive uh, component, and I think that's uh, very important, very key for us to to emphasize with our boys. Uh, you know, when they're going into qualifying games away from home and being able to deal with that kind of pressure um, on a on a daily basis with their clubs, and also being able to deal with that on a on an international basis when when there's a lot less games and the, the emphasis and the importance of one away game that could dictate your whole qualifying campaign. Uh, being able to deal with that pressure and going into those stadiums and, and being able to come away with a result is, is some of one of some of the most important things that we've got to emphasize on these young players nowadays. Paul Stolteri joining us here on Toronto today, 2017 Canadian Soccer Hall of Fame inductee. Had a great career not only with the national team but playing abroad as well. I, I guess that's why having individuals like you being an assistant with the men's national team, overseeing the under 17, under 15. I, I mean, that's why players like you are, or individuals like you, sorry are so important because of the experiences that you've had. I mean, what was it like playing in the Premier League, in the Bundesliga, and having that experience, Paul? And now you take that and try to pass that on to the next generation. 
No, it's, I mean, you gain you gain experience uh, as you're playing, and I think the biggest thing when you've gained that experience and you're you're, you're talking to the young players nowadays is, is the everyday challenge that you put on yourself. It's a uh, it's not a weekly challenge, it's not a monthly challenge. It's it's an everyday challenge when you're in an environment in the Premiership or when you're in an environment in the Bundesliga, uh, and you're training every day with these top players, these world class players. You're asked, you're asked questions every day, every moment of the training session. Every time the ball's on your on your foot, you're asked questions, and you're you've got pressure to to deal with that one situation because you know you're in a situation where you're playing in such a high standard that is you know one mistake and and you you start to feel that little pressure from the other players and you, that starts in training and that starts every day. You're proving yourself not just every uh, match. You're proving yourself every training session. Every time you have the ball in the training session, you're you're proving yourself and and I think. Going through that as a player, you're able to to communicate that to the other players, and you know sometimes uh, I wouldn't say it's a necessity as a coach, but a lot of times it, it does help uh, them to believe in what you're saying because you, you you actually experienced it and went through it like you like you like you mentioned. So that does help, and it's it's one of those things you're trying to drive into these players uh, that it's an every day, it's an every training session uh, uh, time to prove yourself and, and get yourself better. You retired four years ago. The game continues to go crazy. The transfer fees being paid. I know the transfer window closes tomorrow, Paul. Can you believe what some of these players are going for? And how much do you think you would have gone for in this current market? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. I just had this, I just had a, uh, the conversation yesterday with, uh, with uh, Junior Reddit and uh, and Atiba Hutchinson, we were yeah. just chatting quickly uh, regarding the, the the fees that are going around nowadays. And I mean, I you know I wouldn't want to speculate on on anything like that. But I, the only thing is, is that it's, it is for me worrisome, a little bit tad worrisome when you're when you have not just to mention the the big astronomical fees for the top top players in the world is one thing. It's the fees, I think, in the, that you know quote unquote second tier players that are going. For the thirty, forty, and fifty million uh, euro numbers that are that are being thrown out there is 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 where the game is, tends to be a little bit worrisome and tends to get a little bit crazy in terms of the, these numbers are just getting thrown around now like it's uh, like it's nothing and I you know it, it could be worrisome in terms of where where the future is going to go in the game you know you you uh, it's it's just crazy the numbers that are going around now and for me it's it's there's no words to describe how crazy it is right now. Um, but you know you set these bars, and it's and it, you know you hope that you don't get to that dangerous level where uh, something could eventually burst, and 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 you're you're in the game, the European game, and the footballing game, the world game is in is in a little bit of danger. I think that that just uh, worries me a little bit in terms of where the game is going, to be honest. Yeah, Paul, for a versatile player like you, steady Eddie, I mean at least twenty five, thirty million. <laughs> Has to be, pal. Uh, listen, there's a lot of excitement about coming out of the Gold Cup, what this new Canadian team looks like and the potential that they're showing. But you're working with kids even younger and kids who could be um, contributors to a team for a potential 2026 World Cup. So is the excitement justified both now and for where this program's going in terms of the type of talent that's coming through the Canadian pipeline? Well, yeah. I mean, like I said, it, it all starts with what we're laying down in, uh, in, in at the grassroots level, especially when you're talking 2026. Uh, you're talking about players uh, that, have, that have gone through that change, uh, that are going through that change and now into the academies, into the professional ranks, into the... Uh, the system here in, in, in Canada with professional teams, 
uh, hopefully, and I'm, I'm sure the, the, the professional league in Canada getting going in, in the next uh, in the next year or two, and that hopefully uh, building well for the, that 2026 as well, having players at, at that vital age, giving that players those players that vital opportunity to play weekly uh, as well. That's going to be a key factor. So it is no doubt it's uh, it's very exciting times uh, to be playing uh, football in Canada, and, and you know it is a bright future. Uh, without looking past 2026, you know we're looking at uh, at this group of players coming up. It's it is a very exciting team. People say, "Let's saw that," like you mentioned in the Gold Cup, and uh, hopefully uh, we get a real good crowd out to support these uh, these boys, these young guys that are that are performing really well. And hopefully we, we they deliver a nice uh, and an exciting match come uh, Saturday against Jamaica. It's a matter of time before Alfonso Davies is going to be a household name in this country. He's still very young, Paul. As a player who played overseas, when would be a good time for him to go on that European adventure? Or is he A-OK where he is now playing in MLS? Well, you know, that's a, that's a question for him to answer as well without speculating. But in, on what he really wants to do, I know I had coached him at the at the end of 15 and uh and 17 level, you know, and like you mentioned, he is 16 years old. He's young. We've got to put that into into perspective on this on this boy, and, and not throw all our all our hopes uh, of the country behind him because there's a lot of other talented players that we've got uh, representing us as well that will that'll that'll help uh, the team along with himself. Obviously, he's a fantastic talent, and he's he's someone that uh, I think that can play at the top top level. Uh, in the near future, whether whether that's a year from now, two years from now, obviously uh, he can't go anywhere until he's 18 years old, anyways. Uh, in terms of uh, passport relegations and uh, regulations and stuff like that for for you playing in Europe, so uh, the time will eventually come where he needs to make a decision. Hopefully, he makes the the right decision and he, he gets into a, a place, whether that be it staying in Vancouver and, and and playing there for the next 10 or 15 years. Well, moving on, that's something he's got to decide himself and, and see what's best for him. Good stuff, Paul. You're a true legend in terms of the game in this country. Deserved Hall of Famer. Uh, looking forward to this Saturday, Canada-Jamaica at BMO Field. Here's a tip. Wear the suit, but have your track suit on, on underneath and just tear away the suit after the ceremony's done on the field. And then you'll be, you know, you'll have the best of both worlds. I'll tell you, with the summer we're having, you could probably get away with that right nowadays. I tell you, with the with the kind of weather we're getting, no but uh, no, we'll sort it out. But appreciate it, Gareth. Thanks very much Th- for your time. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate All it. Right. Paul Stolteri, um, Canadian Soccer Hall of Famer, had a great career with Werder Bremen in the Bundesliga. Um, played for Spurs. Knows what it's all about. Not only to represent this country, but play at the top level overseas. And it's exciting times for Canadian soccer. The 2026 World Cup is going to come. It has the potential to be a game changer, and the players are improving like never before in this country. Paul and I were kind of part of this lost generation of Canadian football. Him and Dwayne De Rosario, those are some of the success stories. But now you're going to see so many more very good young players have the opportunity to realize their dreams and do something special for both club and country. Canada, Jamaica, down at BMO Field this Saturday. $20 gets you into the CNE and gets you into the game as well. See Junior Hollette, Atiba Hutchinson, 
Alfonso Davies, and four Toronto FC players in action as Canada takes on Jamaica. WTF, that's coming up next. Wheels with you, TSN 1050. Fifty-one Toronto, Gareth Wheeler with you. Scott MacArthur Show with Mike Hogan. It's called the Mike Hogan Variety Hour. It's coming out, coming your way at the top of the clock. I wanted to discuss Maria Sharapova tonight. Just ran flat out of time. We'll save it for tomorrow's program. Here's a recommendation: if you haven't watched it already, go onto Netflix. Check out the documentary Icarus, okay? It's going to change the way you view, in particular, Russian athletes and performance-enhancing drug use and systematic performance-enhancing drug use with an entire nation. And last night, Sharapova won her first-round match. I believe she beat Simona Halep, the number two player at the U.S. Open. And it was like this massive celebration about her great comeback, and she hasn't played for so long. Why are we celebrating a performance-enhancing drug user? And I think that we need to be skeptical of all Russian athletes. There's a a 36-year-old KHL Russian forward who was found guilty of performance-enhancing drug use. I guess he's got clearance to come to the NHL. One, he's 36. Two, who's trusting that guy? Drug testing in the NHL is a long way to go, but now when you watch that documentary and you realize the scope and the depth of it all that came about in the buildup to the Rio Olympic Games, you understand that lives are at risk and that it goes well beyond the world of sport. So I'm sorry last night wasn't a celebration of Sharapova. It was a Shamapova. And I hope to chat about this a little bit more later on this week. Uh, we're running out of time, so let's get straight into this. What the? F- they defeat the Toronto Blue Jays 19 to 1. Oh, that's nasty. You come to the rink to see something maybe you've never seen before, and that might be one of those moments. It's only two dudes better than me, and I'm both of them. Stay off the weed. WTF. Another story coming from the KHL. It was like Vesa Toskula-esque. Emil Garipov of Akbar's, I guess it's Akbar's Kazan, let in a goal from basically that was taken almost from the face-off circle and the other team's end. It just, it looked a lot. Wasn't that Toskula against the Islanders skipped over? Like the exact same goal basically was scored in the KHL. I cannot wait for hockey to return so we get more WTF moments like that. A lot of my WTF today, uh, WTFs today are about my trip to Montreal and Montebello that I just kind of went on and was away for five days. Here's one thing I can't figure out. My wife and I went out for dinner on Sunday night. And obviously Montreal, bilingual city. The guy comes to the door speaks to me in English. This is a, how many? Okay, you might have to just wait about 20 minutes. The people right behind, he didn't lead with English, he led with French. How did he know the people behind me spoke French and we spoke English? 
It was incredible. Like, do people just have that sixth sense? They just know who speaks English and who speaks French? I know the people behind me were wearing Canadian tuxedos. The fashion was a little eh. But that was just downright crazy. How about the first date awkwardness I saw? If you're a young man or a young woman going out on your first date, if you go to a coffee shop, just get a cup to go. Yesterday I saw the most ridiculous couple in Kingston. Guy had the oversized coffee cup drinking awkwardly with two hands. And the young lady, she had this fancy cup with like a whipped cream and stuff coming out the top. That makes sipping so difficult. You need to think first date. You need something simple. You need to make an impression. Awkwardly sipping your beverage is not the way to win over the other person. I also fell asleep while having a massage this weekend. Is that fair or foul? Snoring and being woken up by the massage artist. Massage artist, the masseuse massage artist. I'm making them sound like a subway employee, a sandwich artist, massage artist. The masseuse actually woke me up because I was snoring too loud. One fair or foul to be caught snoring. Two, if someone is snoring, should the masseuse wake them up? She woke me up. The Kansas City Royals have gone 43 innings without scoring a run. At some point, do you just give up? That's incredible. 43 innings without scoring a run? How about this in terms of a great high school? We all look back at people that went to our high school. Clayton Kershaw and Matt Stafford are the highest paid players in the respective sports. And they also grew up together and, and attended the same high school in Dallas. Who's the more famous or better alumni? Is it Kershaw or Stafford? Now that's a deep question. Those were today's WTFs. Wow, that's messed up. Flat at a time. This two hours flew by. More WTFs, more coming your way tomorrow. Thanks to Narsa. Thanks to Scrizzy. I'm Wheels. This has been Toronto Today, TSN 1050.